Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. Clear to the friendly lines. Roger, Vic One, Oscar Mike. What's up, military millionaires? I'm your host, David Bray, and I'm here with Alex Felice, who, uh, well, it might as well be hosting this episode if you heard the intro he gave Lucas beforehand. But uh, real quick, just so you get like the actual bio, Lucas is the founder of landlordology.com, which is a real estate uh, landlord education website serves over 5 million people a year. He's also uh, head of industry relations at Cozy, which is used by over 500,000 landlords and nationwide process to over 3 billion in rent annually and a whole bunch of other stuff. He's a speaker, project management, professional, experienced landlord, just all around cool dude who uh, one of my favorite memories with Lucas is that I somehow got, I was like in the lobby at like the right time at the right place in FinCon. And him and uh, Seth Williams like just snagged me and I got to like hang out in DC all, all evening doing dinner and wandering around and Lucas showed us around because he used to live there. So um, just, a, just a good dude. So Lucas, this is exciting. Uh, long time coming. I even created a special Facebook group called Peer Pressuring Lucas to join the podcast and it worked. So uh, thanks for joining us, buddy. <laughs> thanks for having me. I, you guys, I just feel like we go back so many years. So this is a, an honor to be on your show. Well, I appreciate it. Why don't you uh, tell the audience a little bit about your story and how you got started in real estate and uh, all the crazy stuff you got into. This is good. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I wasn't always in real estate. I used to work for the Department of Defense, uh, literally working with rocket scientists to build ballistic missile defense systems. And that was cool, but it just was a regular W-2 job. <laughs> and uh, I decided to think about real estate. Uh, the reason why I decided to think about real estate was that I met this girl. I was 24. She was, uh, I was 23. She was 24. And we happened to see each other maybe once a week or so. And so I just happened to say, Hey, you know, how's it going? How's your week been? She's like, Oh, it's really good. I bought a house. And at the time I thought that's nuts because we were so young and I couldn't understand how she did it. Well, so she just started diving into it. She said, Hey, you know, I bought a house. I went and found a bunch of roommates. Uh, they're moving in the, into the rooms and they're paying my mortgage. And like, I'm even grossing or netting like $400. Right. And I just thought, Oh my God, this, this girl is like crazy smart and crazy pretty. I need to, I need to get on board with this. So uh, I did the next best thing, next logical thing. And I, I hired her sister who happened to be a real estate agent. And I just told her sister, Hey, can you help me find a house? And I want it to be in, in her neighborhood and I want it to be as close as possible to her house. <laughs> so we spent the next, you know, 30 days or so scouring houses in that area where I could do the same thing, where I, I could house hack it, I could move in uh, and then find a bunch of roommates who would pay my mortgage. And so the house ended up being about seven blocks from her house. Uh, pretty, you know, DC has short, small blocks. So it wasn't that far. And uh, sure enough, within a, like, like 45 days I had that house and another 15 days I had roommates moved in and, and it was great. They were literally paying all of my expenses and then some, and, uh, and I think I impressed that girl. Uh, so we dated for about three years and we've been married for 11. The story would be a lot creepier if you had not, and it had just ended terribly. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I totally moved into this neighborhood. <laughs> Talk, I mean, if it That's hadn't awesome. worked, I totally would have been a stalker, right? Like that, that is how it comes across. Uh, so I, I like to say that, you know, if diamonds are a girl's best friend, then real estate is a very close second. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel I have, like if you didn't have a chance, the sister wouldn't have got you a house that close. She would have got a Yeah, probably. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I have eight homes and no girlfriends. So is it the, am I buying the wrong areas or what's the deal? <laughs> I don't know, but I, uh, I continued that path. And so after about a year and a half at that house, it already had 60 to $70,000 worth of equity, uh, which is just what happens in Washington, DC. And then I took the equity out and went and bought uh, like a condo that I could live in and then eventually convert that to a rental and just kept doing that. And then <laughs> that condo was only about 400 square feet. And I, uh, I actually moved out of that one because 
my wife now, uh, I thought, hey, we could live there. And she's like, no, man, it's like 400 square feet. There's not even enough room for my shoes. What are you talking about? So we ended up getting a bigger house. And, and then I just kept buying real estate with the equity that, that we have in our properties. Sounds easy. <laughs> uh, I, just came from, I just came from DC. I did. Uh, I filmed a little series on there for bigger pockets. It's a uh, the market out there is crazy. It's uh, it's incredible. You know, it's incredible to see that. How do I say the, the economics that go on there? I don't know how long ago this was, but um, you know, what's the average house in DC now? Four or five hundred grand at least. Yeah, it really depends. I mean, DC is a very small area, right? It, it's like a pre predefined area. It's not as big as a state or even a regular size city. So the prices are pretty high. Uh, I know that um, I would say the average is closer to 600. Yeah. 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 And that's it's like a, maybe, maybe a two to three bedroom row house. There's people making money though. Yeah. There's people making yeah. money though, house hacking and doing exactly that. I mean, it's crazy. Yep. For sure. And hey, your videos, I've watched a few of them. They're awesome. Like just totally top quality. So thank cheers you. to you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Maybe Alex can get on my level someday. Oh, wait, sorry. We were talking about Alex's videos. <laughs> Gotta keep your ego on the level playing field. Um, yeah, no. So house hacking in an uh, expensive market and you were doing it before it was house hacking, before it was trendy, which is- That's cool. right. Before Brandon coined the term, right? <laughs> I give him a hard time about that. I, I love that strategy. I think that's one of the best strategies that you can use for getting started. So Absolutely. How did you parlay this real estate experience? You obviously had some tech experience. Mm -hmm. And then how did the website start? Or which one came first? Were you working at Cozy or were you, did you start the website first? Yeah, great question. So, so after I started buying enough properties, people started coming to me, friends and family, I'm sure it happens to you where they look at you and they're like, oh my gosh, you're, you know, you're buying properties and I see your growth. So how do you do that? And I, I kind of got annoyed with the questions. And so I just decided to uh, start blogging my heart out. And I built, I bought the domain landlordology, started building a simple WordPress blog and just pouring my, my stories into it and the lessons I learned along the way. And uh, I didn't really think it was going to do much, but it ended up growing really fast. And then uh, shortly, like maybe about six months into it, uh, one of my posts got featured on Lifehacker as a way to like research landlord tenant laws. And I mean, I saw a, like a, like, I think I was getting, um, close to like 300 hits a day. And then it went up to 17,000 hits a day from that. So it became pretty popular pretty fast. And then I started making it into like a resource website, right? A, a, a ultimate resource where I could earn affiliate income. I could teach people, maybe coach people. It was just really a lot of fun. Uh, well, about a year and a half into it, uh, Cozy approached me and they said, hey, we've been watching you. We love what you're doing. And we wanted to build something similar as our content education platform. And uh, instead of doing that, we just want to talk about maybe acquiring you and acquiring your brand and just making that our, our platform. And so uh, after negotiations, uh, we agreed to it and they, they bought the asset, they bought the collateral, and then they hired me full time to continue to grow this, like this baby of mine and make it into something gigantic, right? And so now I had all this uh, angel investing money that, that we could do things with and and i had a full-time job doing what i loved and what i was doing you know in the middle of the night sometimes and so i got to continue to run it and i got to quit my other job my, my consulting job with dod and just do what i loved so that's how i got started with cozy i was one of their original employees and then i continued to use my subject matter expertise to to grow cozy and build uh what what i think is the best software out there for independent landlords and it's free so that's how I got started with Cozy. Bro, this is the side that. hustle dream. Like, <laughs> let me go off and do this thing that I really want to do. And I don't care if it pays me, I'm going to do it anyway. And then somebody comes along and says, hey, uh, we want you to pretty much do exactly what you're doing. We want to put our name on it, kind of. You know, yep. Like, we want to own Barely. the brand company. And yeah. then uh, we're going to pay you more. <laughs> yeah, no, it was awesome. I got, I got paid out for it. And then I got a, a regular job. And then I, uh, you know, I got that income and then I also got equity in cozy. So, uh, you know, base, you know, level equity. So in 2018, when we sold cozy to apartments.com, uh, I also got paid out again. So I ultimately got to sell this baby website. I built landlordology twice over and get paid 
all the while like building it. So it's pretty sweet. I don't know that I'd say 17,000 hits a day is quite baby website material. I mean, I don't get that in a month yet. So, and by the way, I like that you hit on my entire content marketing strategy, which is like, oh man, I'm getting sick of answering this question. I'm going to do a YouTube video about it because then I can be like, watch this. Did you watch this? Exactly. Exactly. And it you works. can you know, rank for it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a similar reason why I started my website. It was like, I was doing it and I was like, I just, let me write this out in long form. Otherwise I'm texting people, you know, 1100 words. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> like I'll save this. Save this well, and call it, call it a blog. And, and the other huge benefit to it is, is obviously there's a huge benefit we all know to documenting and talking about what we're doing and being able to answer questions. We're getting a lot so that other people can use it. All of that's great. The other piece that I love is if I want to learn a subject, like, it's very easy to be like, oh yeah, I wish I knew a little bit more about this. And then just kind of like watch a few videos and be like, oh, okay, cool. I think I have an idea. But it's a whole different story when you're like, I wish I knew a little bit more about this because I'm getting asked about it. So now I'm going to really dive deep on the internet and learn everything I possibly can so that I can write about it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like a whole nother level. So it's really actually been probably one of the best things I've ever done for my education too. Because instead of just understanding like a quick definition, you have to like understand the whole concept of something, which is right. really cool. Uh, there's a famous quote, which I don't know who said uh, at the top, you know, on top of my head, Alex. but it's, it says <laughs> uh, that if you really want to understand something, teach it. And I think that's so true because then you have to, you have to figure out how to write a 10,000 word article on a topic that you didn't know about. And then by the time you're done, you truly can apply what you've learned. So that's been my approach. Or there's another uh, famous saying that I'm not sure who said it that says those who can't do teach. <laughs> I always thought the, uh, the, the man quote was though, those who can't do read. <laughs> Ooh, oh, says the guy fun. with the book club. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, oh, I got a book for you, uh, Lucas. Ah, uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the question, though, is: Have you read the book, or do you just like the cover? Actually, uh, this book, uh, since we're on the topic, is is it coming? Oh, out? jeez, the, the whole book? Huh? Literally just, yeah, literally. So if you haven't read every line in that book, though, I, you know, I mean, that's actually that's every line. There's nothing in this no. book. I love the this guy. This this is this is the most entrepreneurial guy. On uh, he goes on Amazon. He writes nothing, right? He writes nothing. He sells it for twelve dollars, and I bought a copy. Goodness gracious! <laughs> yeah, talk about that. Wow, that's great. I wish I was that smart. <laughs> Oh man. All right. So Lucas, how does a rocket scientist guy who translate transitions into real estate, which, it, you know, Alex and I always say real estate's so easy. Look at us. We can do it. I don't know that you could really get away with saying that, but, um, the, the application side, like, I'm curious, like, how do you, you get into this, this technologic technological side of real estate investing. I'm curious kind of what, how that changed your investing game. Like did getting to see the data and the back end of all that yeah. change your strategies or, or how has that kind of morphed through the years? Yeah. I mean, when I started out, I, I wasn't savvy enough to, to even run the calculations on a single family home, you know, like the calculators that bigger pockets has and elsewhere, like those are fantastic. I, I wasn't using any of those, right? I was just using rules of thumb that I had heard from, from realtors and friends who had been doing real estate. Uh, and in, in DC, I'll give you an example in DC. Uh, the rule was that if you wanted a house hack, you had to get uh, a bedroom out of the house that uh, represented a hundred thousand dollars. So if I wanted a $600,000 house, I had to make sure there were six bedrooms in there. And that's how I could potentially get the, enough rental income. So that, that's all I was doing. Like I was really good at the math for mortgages. I could figure that out very easily. And I was, I caught down quickly. So at least I was not getting into financial trouble, but uh, it wasn't until like my third property that I was actually looking at cash on cash return, you know, after repair value and those things that I think, well, I know really did help increase the profit of the rental properties. And, um, but it's, it's a learning game and you don't have to be uh, savvy with numbers to get started. You really don't, you know, sometimes you just t take a leap of faith and it'll probably work out if you do enough um, talking with your friends and, and uh, specialists who can kind of guide you. Woo! We'll be back with the show in just a minute, but I wanted to take a brief second and say that, look, you are already obviously investing in yourself by listening to this podcast. But if you can't figure out 
how to get past all that daunting crap that you just don't know how to sort through and you're trying to get started in real estate investing and you're just stuck. I, I mean, it happens to all of us. It's daunting. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know everything there is to know and you don't know really where to find all the information. So that is why I created the Real Estate Investing for Beginners Zero to One course, which is solely designed to get you from I want to invest in real estate to holy crap, I have a rental and it's cash flowing. And this course is not going to be anything super complicated that you won't be able to understand. It is just designed to teach you how to build a team, find investments, finance investments, conduct due diligence, close on the investment, and then operate it so that you can enter the real estate investing world smoothly. So if that sounds like something that interests you, definitely check out the link below. And it's cheap as hell right now. Dude, uh, it's, it's amazing in this life. I'm a... Uh... It's amazing how much trying works. Like, yeah. try. And right. you'd be surprised what you can do if you try. Like, I get that, right? Hey, look, um, I wasn't that, I wasn't, you, like you said, I'm not, you weren't set up for real estate, but it's like, you know, you plug away at it a little bit each day, you get a little better, you get a property, you get better at the next one, blah, blah, blah. And the next thing you know, you know, two guys are like, how did you do this? And you're like, bro, I just, <laughs> I tried. I tried. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, in, in my first house in DC, when I was 25, I, uh, I earned more equity in that house in a year and a half than I did my annual salary, right? Like I couldn't, it's not liquid, so I couldn't pull it out necessarily that easy. But, but I mean, that's just the power of real estate. And once I realized that, I was like, this is gold, right? And so I still have a W-2 job uh, working for CoStar or Apartments.com. And I use that W-2 income to provide the backing for mortgage and, and, and for them to run the, my um, my DTI and, and make sure that I can qualify. But it, without that W-2, uh, then it would be a lot harder to get these mortgages. And then I just use the rental income to store up, uh, you know, savings and reserves and just use it to fix property and keep a little nest egg there and kind of keep it separate. So it, it's one approach. It's not necessarily the best approach for everyone, but, uh, but eventually I'll probably have enough rental income where I could truly just live off it. And that'd be kind of a fun day, I think. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a really cool realization when you people forget like the you mentioned the your equity piece right and people focus so much on cash flow which is great right like that's a great move but like I do my net worth every month as I you know I figure the whole like you focus on it it, it you know improves um, it's really interesting because I always forget to like factor in like appreciation and principal when I'm doing my math on like cash flow and stuff in my head but then when I put it out on paper I'm always like oh. Yeah. So like you said, it's not liquid. You can't touch it. You know, it's not a guarantee or whatever, but it's, it's a pretty powerful piece of real estate that people seem to neglect a lot when right. they talk about real estate. So. Right. I mean, you can't assume you're going to produce equity, but, but generally speaking, it is real. Like it's a real thing. And so, you know, it, it definitely affects your net worth and opens up doors for you. You know, you can pull out HELOCs and then you can use that money to go buy other things. It's just, it's a thing that, that I don't think enough people leverage. Um, do either one of you have short-term rentals, Airbnbs and such? Alex loves them, but I am doing it out of my, uh, I've got a bedroom uh, in the house that I'm currently in that I Airbnb. That's about cool. the extent. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Alex, I, do you? I don't, um, I want to change some of mine to Airbnb. Mm -hmm. oh. but, um, I, but I haven't screwed with it and like, you know, uh, I don't want to be in the hospitality business. Right. I want to be in, I want to be in the hands-off investor, yep. uh, passive investor business. Um, and so that's my only hesitation, um, is that I, I, I have to go do it. My property manager does everything now. So if it's like, if I go to Airbnb, he's not going to do that. So yeah. my apprehension has been like, I don't want to go ahead and give myself a job for some more money. I'd rather right. do some, I don't know. I'll tell you, Airbnbs and, and nightly rentals are one of the most, uh, labor intensive projects. And so, you know, I, I wouldn't even do it either, but I do have one vacation rental uh, in Vail, Colorado that uh, I, I was very intentional about buying that because it was a huge uh, short-term rental market. And so there was just a plethora of short-term rental managers who will take it on for you and you just build that into the cost. And, and then you don't have to worry about it. Like it's truly hands-off. Uh, because it can be a pain if you have to deal with nightly check-ins or you know, like getting towel, extra towels for somebody at, at midnight, you know, that's just not fun. But, 
uh, when I was looking for a place, I had looked at a bunch of cities, especially ski towns like Park City, um, Vail, Beaver Creek, color, um, up, you know, a couple of places like Jackson Hole. And I just, uh, I was frustrated because I couldn't find something that was going to cover itself. Uh, and then I found a pretty good deal comparatively in Vail and we moved on it. And the numbers worked out in such a way that uh, if I could rent it for a hundred days out of the year, you know, sometimes 120 days out of the year, then it'll pay for itself. Right. And that wasn't that hard to do. I mean, sometimes we don't get 120, but you know, for the most part we do. And then it pays for the mortgage. It pays for the, uh, all the repairs and expenses and uh, short-term rental managers don't charge 10% like typical property managers. They're usually 30 to 50% of your uh, income. And they'll take right out of the bat. And that's not cool, but that's just the way it is. And so this guy t charges about 30%. They have a whole system in place for cleaners and everything. And they'll take online bookings, which is great. Uh, so uh, if I rent it for 120 days a year, then it pays for all of that. And, uh, and we break even and maybe we'll make a little bit of money. But uh, the real benefit is the other, you know, 200 days a year, like we get to go use a condo in Vail. Right? whether it's winter season or summer season. So I think a lot of times people don't realize Airbnbs, if you, if you buy something in a desirable location that you and your family would, have, would love to have anyway, then it can also be a vacation home for you. Yeah. And you can still get it covered. Like you, you can go on a trip and have it paid for because it's raking in rental income the rest of the year. So it's a that's a fun topic. Exactly. And somebody else is cleaning it for you. Like it's just kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah. Uh, I love this that. idea. I'd love to own one in Vegas because I love going back to Vegas all yeah. the time. Um, but I got to practice. I have the properties here. I should probably just turn one over, get a manager, like you said. Uh, I think some. I think Shelby only pays twenty percent. Um, mm, that's great. Or I might call. Uh, I might. I might try to see. If I can get Julian to do it. You know, the problem is I have a super good relationship with my property manager, and it's like he's my partner, and it's like I really don't. You know, he takes such good care of me. I don't want to take any money out of his pocket to make a little more. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I gotta, I gotta break that. Just talk but, to him. Cause he might not even want to do short-term rentals. <laughs> right? he, he doesn't, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to. Yeah. So no, no problem. Well, but you know, I, he's, I'm going to, I'm going to be taking 90 bucks a month out of his pocket. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true. We'll just give him 90 bucks a month. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just money a month. And then, you know, now everybody wins. There you go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> what you what do is you just go you just go find some business for your property manager you're like hey i got you this referral and oops okay ah. we'll break even <laughs> bro bro i give him so much business exactly. I so, much business. That's, so he'll be cool he went from 40 properties when i met him to 350 now i think oh. one of those is probably worth 90 bucks holy moly yeah i'm good, all bro. alex i'm good yeah all me i mean he should be paying you like a monthly site then right <laughs> He should be like buying your groceries. <laughs> we work very well together. Oh man, that's awesome. All right, so question for you. Sure. I don't know if this is really a direct question. This is how Alex asks questions sometimes, so I'm going to roll with it. <clears throat> Can't be me. Uh, speak to me about tenant screening. Tenant screening, all right. So I've only written about 120 articles about this on the Herbology. Um, Can you just sum geez. them all up right now? Or do we sum got, them all up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, actually, actually I can. <laughs> so everything up that you need to know about tenant screening is um, that if you pick the right tenants and you do a good job screening, you, you generally speaking won't have very many problems on the back end. Like the people you always hear about, you know, having tenant issues, it's generally because they didn't do a good enough, good enough job screening. Um, I, I generally look for somebody who, uh, here are my two rules um, at the highest level. Sum it all up. Oops, sorry. Uh, I look for people who have the ability to pay and then have a willingness to pay, right? Because it's hard to get both. Sometimes you get people who uh, don't make enough, but they're like the most genuine people. And then sometimes you get people who make more than enough, but they also have a chip on their shoulder. And those are the types of people that will quickly jump to uh, saying, hey, I heard there was like this eviction moratorium, so I'm just not going to pay rent because I've got a chip on my shoulder and it just, you know, I'd rather go on vacation, right? Because you can't catch me. And those types of people are even worse because then you'll have all kinds of problems. So 
Um, there's a bunch of stuff involved in that, but generally speaking, that's what I look for at first. Then, you know, I tend to go into credit reports and background checks and income of, you know, two to three times the monthly rent amount. Um, I look for, <laughs> I look for people who have never had a criminal record, uh, or I shouldn't say that I criminal records fine. If they have a violent criminal history, that's a deal breaker uh, because I'm going to be the one walking up to their door eventually. And I don't want them to get angry. Uh, I look for people who've never had an eviction ever, 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 ever. And when I say that, I don't mean that they got kicked out of their place. I mean that they actually went to court and they actually said, I, I feel like I shouldn't have to pay or you can't kick me out. And the judge ruled against them and actually put it on their record. So those types of people uh, are just uh, horrible renters generally speaking, because they, they feel like they're owed something. Um, and then uh, I spend the time to do verification, you know, call the last two landlords. Like um, you never really want to call the existing landlord because the person hasn't moved out yet. So you never quite know if they're going to leave a balance on the account or if they're going to trash the place before they leave. Uh, I like to call the one prior to that and say, uh, yeah, ask them simple questions. But then ultimately the last question I ask is, would you rent to them again? And that is a nice summary of, of their opinion of this person. Um, and uh, call, you know, call or verify their income through pay stubs or if you have to, bank statements and tax returns. I know that's a little far-fetched, but uh, you'd be surprised what people will uh, Photoshop. And in fact, I mean, they teach Photoshop in middle school. So, you know, like a 15-year-old can probably make up a pay stub that will blow your mind. So you always have to verify. There you go. Work, Attendance screening in, in three minutes. <laughs> that was I work actually special really in banking. So all right, work. So yeah, I've seen uh, I've seen use yeah, like you said. I like, was just gonna ever, say I was a recruiter. <laughs> hey, I, let me I, ask you though. <clears throat> let me ask you this though. Um, what about before you get to a tenant buying the right property? Right? Uh, so a lot of people nowadays out of state investing is popular, and somebody will do this little uh, this little deal where they, they go off the internet and they search for a place that they've never been to and mm -hmm. they find a deal uh, through a wholesaler, maybe even an MLS, and the numbers look really good, but they've never been there. Mm. And so they buy this place and then they find out that no tenant that you just described will rent that place. Yep, right. How can you have you to buy something that you'd want some, that somebody it's kind of like dating. Like you have to be the person that would attract the type of person that you're looking for. Right. And the same with renters, you have to buy the house that would attract the, the good renters. So I'm sorry, I cut you off. What's your question? No, well, um, well that I really like that you said that actually, cause I think it's a fantastic point. Uh, but also let's say for the person who has already made the mistake and bought, you know, I say the D, you know, the C minus class because nobody's ever bought a D class property. The highest <laughs> class property in an out of state. Uh, I had a girl call me a few months ago and she's like, Hey, I bought this place. And the property manager over the day one, uh, some gangster walked across the street and showed her a gun and said, that's her, their Turk. Don't come back. And she Gosh. won't go back. And so now the girl's sitting there with a house that she can't get anybody to go manage. And I'm like, yeah. and she's like, but the numbers on paper were so good. And so, uh, <laughs> so maybe not that bad. Right. But somewhere where you're like, okay, I bought this place and it's hobbling along. Um, can you, can you speak to like, look, I can't get the best tenant. How do I mitigate this disaster that I've got myself into? How do you mitigate? So yeah, if you buy a lemon, um, yeah. you, can, you can just make your property the best it can be. So, I mean, you can't control your neighborhood necessarily. So if you've already bought it and you're stuck to it, um, you just fix up your property as best you can. Like be that shining star in that neighborhood, right? Uh, because uh, people will generally respect they even the people who who uh, will show a gun to somebody walking down the street right like they have some some sense of decency and will generally try to respect uh, if you're trying to make something better right that's their neighborhood too uh, that's not always the case but that's what I found I mean I, I have two properties on Capitol Hill in DC and some parts of Capitol Hill are really awesome and some parts of it like you don't want to go out at night and so one of the houses was in that area for about four years until it kind of turned over. And it's, it's rough, you know, you got to find tenants who are willing to take a risk. Uh, the thing that I actually think with, um, I rent to a lot of young tenants kind of right out of college. And 
if you have kind of a rough area, sometimes it's okay to turn it into kind of a, a group house. I mean, they're all on one lease, but you typically can convince a group of guys uh, who are younger without kids, right? And who want to live together. And there's kind of power in that community, right? If you have four kind of football player-esque guys living in a house, they're not going to really care, you know, what's going on next door. Um, whereas, you know, it might not be so true for a group of girls. They might not feel as safe, right? Because they might be smaller or whatever. You know, I'm not trying to be sexist. I'm, I'm just saying that um, in the rougher part of the area, I certainly had more showings to groups of guys uh, than I did to families or, or groups of girls. And that's a way to kind of cater to it. So I think in that situation, um, you obviously can't discriminate on sex or anything, but uh, you might have more luck uh, catering to younger groups of, of men until that neighborhood turns over and fix it up and make them proud to live there. You know, so man cave in the garage. Man <laughs> yeah. In the garage. I like that. Gosh. Gosh. Yeah, I'm not listening discriminating. To me talk. I just know who's yeah. going to come rent this house. <laughs> so it might not be the best solution, but um, that might be the audience that might, might be comfortable living there. And again, yeah. well, I'm not trying no to be sexist. Thing. I'm just, yeah. Yeah. I, it was a tough question because there is no good solution. A good solution is like buy the, pro like we've all, well, I've made this mistake. I can't speak for everybody, but yeah, I mean, don't buy the property that looks good on paper that doesn't run good. Because like you said earlier, it's right. like the tenant screening is important because if you have a good tenant in there, things go well. If you get the lousy tenant in there, it's like, ugh. Yeah. Uh, and so this brought me, this is kind of what I was also thinking was, um, you know, the, would you speak to the difference between the people who, uh, the first mistake I made with my rental, my first rental was I needed to get it place immediately oh. it's empty i need to get some warm body in there and i learned along the way it's like that's the wrong answer you need to get the right person in there even if it takes a little bit longer right um, yeah i mean if you could also if that was a scenario too where you're kind of bleeding money at first like maybe you could get a short-term lease maybe like really get like a three-month lease or a month to month with a really good tenant like like maybe you know, I don't know, we get somebody you think you actually could terminate when the time comes for you to sign a longer lease or, or to do repairs. So it, it does, it's not necessarily a bad thing that you put somebody in right away. It just limits your options. Yeah. Yeah. I won't do that again. Yeah. I think with housing, you know, especially when long distance uh, rentals are becoming more and more popular, it, you know, not viewing or, or going to a house. Like I've seen people buy it sight unseen, or at least, you know, they've seen the digital photos, but that's it. It's like, why would you, why would you marry someone if you've never been on a date with them? Right. And that's kind of what you're doing when you're buying, you're investing hundreds of thousands of dollars in a house that you've never actually like gone to. And I, I think if you can, if it's allowed, uh, try to spend the night there. I mean, even if it's unfurnished, like go get your sleeping bag and like, or cot or something and literally use the shower you know, get it, obviously meet inspectors while you're there and get like it fully checked out, but like just live in it because that's what your tenants are going to experience. And so, you know, a chef would never give out food before tasting it. So I, I kind of feel like that's the same thing you're doing. And if you feel comfortable there uh, and you'd get to see what happens at, you know, 11 o'clock at night or two in the morning, if you hear gunshots, then uh, your tenants are going to hear those too. Whereas you wouldn't quite notice that until, you know, if you went at a four o'clock showing and you were out by 415. So you know, try it before you buy, for sure. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking to buy a, a property in an out-of-state area, uh, you know, people tell me, I'm like, well, I, see, I've bought property sight unseen, but I know the, I know the market. Sure. I, I know the market. So, like, people, they buy houses in areas that they've not, they haven't seen the house, but they've never even been to the area. Exactly. And I'm like, bro. I think that's a huge mistake. Bucks, you can't spend 500 right. bucks, fly out there, and at least shake the property manager's hand so he knows right. who you are and see the right. area. Yeah. And... Anyway. Right. Right. Same well, you know, this is, it's a relationship business. So, I mean, if you Absolutely. are hiring a property manager and he doesn't know you or feel loyal to you because you've never taken the time to meet him, I mean, he is not going to go to bat for you at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, and if right. you build that team and, and like Alex said, you know, the market, right. I'm, if the lady will send the papers back today, um, I'm going under contract, hopefully today on four houses that I've never been inside. I've never seen, I may never see the inside of, I don't know. But my property manager met her at and walked through three of them today yep. and is going through the fourth one tomorrow before I sign. So like, A, I know, where the, I know where the houses are. B, my property managers walked through and said, yeah, I'll manage this. Um, right. 
Except she did say that Sanford from Sanford and Sons lives in one of them. So uh, I guess <laughs> he probably won't be leaving anytime soon since he's got like an entire museum in the house. But, yeah. you know, whatever. House is as clean as a hoarder. That's great. Be. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Cross that bridge when you get there, I guess. Yeah. Hey, the other, uh, I mean, I'm getting a lot of equity in the deal. So it's whatever. Sure. I think that uh, that's a great that's a great point that like if you do find if you want to invest out of state and you don't know the area probably the best thing to do is to spend your time investing in getting to know property managers with good reviews and then having long conversations with them and and basically ask I'm not really sure where I want to invest you know in this town but uh, where would you feel comfortable moving your family to right? And they might be able to give you little sub neighborhoods that they say, well, this is really good. This is where I'd feel comfortable. And, you know, because it's got a good school and it's quiet or whatever and use that, you know, heck man, make that list. And then that's, that's your list of where you invest and that's where you, you highlight and, and do the research. Um, Plus you'd probably feel comfortable, you know, using him as a property manager and he would feel comfortable taking that house because he's already said it's a great area. So that's one way to do it. I agree. All right. Uh, so, you know, I should have asked this question way earlier, but um, we didn't even touch on because we just assume everyone knows. Can you give a brief overview of what Cozy is and does? I know we sure. I don't know that we actually mentioned that. And I, I, yeah. I hate to assume that there might be someone who doesn't know what it is, but uh, <laughs> there might be. It's uh, Cozy's online property management software. So it's all online. You don't have to download anything. And it's, uh, it's completely free. With it, you can list your property for rent or your unit. You can collect online applications. You can get full credit reports and detailed background checks and credit scores. Um, at, uh, and then collect rent online. Uh, they can pay by, you know, renters can pay by credit card or by ACH transaction, which is just bank to bank transaction. Then you can track your expenses and your maintenance requests. Uh, and all of that is completely free for you as a landlord. So uh, we make our money on uh, charging for the credit reports and background checks from the tenant. They essentially pay a, a, about 40 bucks when they apply and then they get a copy of those reports too. So they see what you see and they have something they can take with them for their money, uh, which is not always the case. Uh, and it just simply works. You know, Cozy uh, processes about $3 billion. I think it's three and a half billion dollars in rent. Uh, and it's, it's used by hundreds of thousands of people. So uh, that's what Cozy is. That's what I helped build from the beginning. And then and then in uh, 2018, we sold Cozy to Apartments.com uh, because they essentially wanted to do the same thing. And instead of building it, they, they just acquired Cozy. And we are in the midst of uh, uh, rebuilding and improving on Cozy's framework uh, behind the Apartments.com brand. So we'll, you'll actually get, uh, and even today, you can sign up today. Uh, you get other things that Cozy never did, like, uh, like state-specific leases that you can digitally sign online. So we actually uh, paid millions of dollars to hire lawyers in every jurisdiction, not just a state, but every legal jurisdiction to make sure that the lease would work according to those local laws. And so you get something that you know is going to work and then uh, you can get it signed online from everybody through our DocuSign integration. Uh, and that is also free. The whole thing, the whole freaking thing is free. It's just mind blowing. Yeah. That's awesome. And the fact that you, like the jurisdiction jurisdiction piece, look at that. I used a big word. Uh, that's, that's cool. Um, I mean, that's, I, I get asked those kinds of questions all the time. Right. So now I can send people over to apartments.com and say, Hey, like, this is better than what I have. <laughs> Please don't. Yeah, exactly. You weren't sending them over to him before. <laughs> I thought we were Lucas. I thought you guys were friends. No, I, I, I seem to recall him just saying that was a new feature. Yes, it is new. So, so no, no, I'm sorry. I wasn't sending him people that weren't going to be able to, that were just going to bug him. Dave said you could do this thing that you don't offer yet. <laughs> Fun to bug losers. Trying to set me up for failure. So now what do you do? Now you just, uh, I said in the intro, I was like, now you just uh, slum he it lays on the floor and sell, uh, and sell <laughs> Cozy Co. Uh, so I, I work, you know, my employer is apartments.com and I'm actually a product manager for, uh, for, for what's their version of cozy. So I'm actually kind of, it, it's really fun. Actually, I get to take all the lessons learned. We, we learned with cozy and then apply them so that this, what we're building at apartments is like version 2.0 and where, uh, you know, you might not know this in tech when you build something, 
some of the code gets out of date within a few years. Like and that framework that you might build software on is, uh, is now kind of old news, right? And there's better ways to do it. So when you, when you start to have hundreds of thousands of customers, it's not so easy to kind of just like redo the framework. So software kind of goes out of date for a while and while Cozy still works very well, uh, we're now building something that's faster and um, cheaper. Like even on apartments, the ACH transactions uh, are just happening within one to two days versus five days with Cozy. So you get your money faster and that's still free, which is pretty amazing. So, you know, we're getting a chance to fix the things that we never could fix at Cozy. That's really awesome. Cool. What are you most hey. excited about with it? Uh, you know, I'm excited because uh, apartments.com gets over 30 million hits a, a month <laughs> and all of that traffic can get funneled into this tool. So this thing that I'm using, uh, since there's no price barrier to, for entry and it actually lets you manage your rental properties effectively. Like for example, I, like I said, I've got, uh, I've got a total of three properties in the Washington DC area and I manage all of them by myself from Colorado. And I, I rarely have any issues. I mean, even maintenance requests get submitted through this thing. So, you know, super easy. It's empowering. It gives me the strength to grow my portfolio and uh, it doesn't cost me a dime. So that idea of having that power and giving it to 30 million visitors a month, like that, that power and that um, gift, right, can actually help create uh, financial legacies for, for millions of families, right? They, they're going to have something to pass on to their kids' kids because they have the right tools to grow financially. So that, that's what kind of wakes me up and gets me going in the morning is knowing that, uh, you know, I, could, I can change the world, like I, or at least I can change the United States and, and make legacies for families. I, I feel like a schmuck. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Thanks for <laughs> making me feel bad about myself, Lucas. Appreciate that. <laughs> and Lucas's why is better than all of ours. No, that's awesome. That's really cool. Thanks. Man. So uh, you've come a long way from, you know, buying a house to live next to a girl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the why has definitely, you definitely got some bigger goals. <laughs> How long did this take? How long was this all taken? When, when did you buy the yeah. first house? First house was 2005. Okay. Well, Hang on a second. Yeah. Okay, the two. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then, uh, <laughs> landlordology was built in 2012. Sold to Cozy in 2014. Then we sold Cozy to Apartments in 2018. What's two up year with turnaround the, on the blog? That's pretty cool. What's up with uh, CoStar? Yeah, uh, CoStar is the parent company that owns Apartments and Cozy and a handful of other brands. They are primarily a uh, commercial data company. So they are, they're like the MLS for commercial real estate. Uh, they're a private company. They're not, you know, like a franchise, like an MLS is, but, uh, they have all the data. So if you buy commercial properties, which are, you know, any property for business or any property that's got five units or more, uh, you're probably going to see the listing on CoStar. Now it's not free. It's a, it's a subscription, you know, and it, the price varies based on based on where you live, but it can be expensive. I mean, when people ask, I like to say uh, it's usually a car payment, right? Every month. Uh, but, you know, if it gets you a hundred unit apartment building and, you know, $10,000 a month in net revenue, then, you know, certainly worth it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was just curious. I knew that was part of it. I didn't want to, you know, of course, I have the show, I can be nosy. So <laughs> that's, why, that's why I started the show. And gave it to my co-host. Yeah, yeah, this. yeah. That's that's exactly. Why, thank you, thank you, Alex. I mean, you were one of the first guests. I was. Yeah. Well, because oh, I deleted the first. I, I deleted the first episode or two, mm-hmm. so now you're left as one of the first two. <laughs> anyway. Fine. Um, and then we had to, you know, like two years later and a little bit of heckling, we got Lucas. So look how far we've come. Yeah. <laughs> Peer pressure works. Well, I'll, I'll say this. You guys are some of my favorite people to hang out with at conferences. It's just, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> Yo, that, sounded like a, that sounded like a really lousy compliment. I'm just saying. What? 
you guys are my favorite people that I see once or twice a year. Yeah. You know, <laughs> a lot of alcohol. I don't but I, I don't like you enough to see other times. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're just all in the same circles. It's, it's fun. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. So. <laughs> yeah, how are you? Uh, how are you taking the uh, the everything's canceled? Yeah, I know that sucks. It really does. And uh, I, I don't have any events lined up to go to or speak at. Uh, even through 2021. I mean, no one's, no one's taking on that risk of actually scheduling a conference. Just not happening. I'm bummed. FinCon was in my backyard. I was going to get to just drive. Oh yeah. So like my first FinCon was in Orlando and I was in Hawaii. So my first leap of faith was like a $2,000 round trip and whatever. I remember that. I'm so excited. I'm like, yeah, Long Beach right around the corner. I'm going to drive up there. It's going to be great. It's going to cost me nothing. No, yeah, it's not going to happen. Can't, can't get away with that and i don't think they're ever going to come to missouri when i move back there so oh man when you nobody back does there? uh about eight months eight oh, months yeah. a year so yeah not yeah. too long yeah so all right lucas i got a few questions i always ask everybody on the show sure fire away first the first one is if a 18 to 19 year old is to walk up to you asking you for advice and usually that's real estate advice but life whatever whatever lucas's words of wisdom are today yeah what would be the one thing that you feel like they need to know one thing uh you know i there's a lot of one things but uh, the one that comes to mind is you are what you eat and I, <laughs> I don't mean food so whatever you consume and whatever you put in front of your eyes whatever you you try to take in is going to define who you are and uh you know if you're spending the time playing video games all day long, like you're just going to be a gamer and you're not going to have any opportunity to build wealth or to build a platform for yourself. But if you, you know, if you consume books that help you understand finances and understand real estate or whatever you're interested in, I mean, if you want to start a zoo, like read some books on that or connect with whoever does that. So whatever you consume is uh, what you're going to be. Bro. I love this. Yeah. Yeah, I'm an good. avid reader. If anybody wants to get on my book list and try to keep up with me, you can't, but it'd be fun to watch you try. Uh, but I love this <laughs> advice, right? Like, uh, you know, I tell David, oh, I was telling Neil the other day, I tell this people a lot of times, like uh, you can consume content or you can produce content. Um, and it kind of goes along with that. It's like, if you want to produce content, that means you need to be consuming high quality content. You can't mm -hmm. consume video games and then spit out something smart. It doesn't work that mm -hmm. way. You can't watch nonsense on Netflix and then have anything good valuable insight to give the rest of the world so consume high quality content and then you can maybe help the next person yeah and alex's book club is is solid there's some good recommendations in there some some great books but i will also say that uh you might be a better reader than you will believe after hanging around some of the titles that he throws around some of that stuff thus spoke zarathustra and Alex <laughs> reads books that I'm like, oh, this is an awesome book, but I could not read the title out loud. Like it took me a long time to practice that. And I'm pretty sure I messed it up. So I'm just Bro, saying. you said it right. <laughs> you said it right. Zarathustra. And uh, that's uh, 1886, Friedrich Nietzsche. And it's amazing. And uh, everybody should read it, but they won't. So that's why, uh, anyway. <laughs> Alex reads books just to be like, yeah, you didn't have the fortitude to read this one. So better than you. <laughs> Anyways, I don't mean to steal your thunder. Look, uh, Lucas, I love that. I, you yeah, are what you that's eat. That's awesome. I love that. That's, that's probably the best way I've ever heard that summarized, so we appreciate it. All right. The next question is, what resource would you recommend? Whether it's book, course, website, whatever, for anyone looking to get started in real estate today? Ooh, you know, uh, I was, I'll tell you this, and I, he doesn't know I'm, I'm saying this, but I've been super impressed with Chad Carson's Real Estate Start School. Uh, he, uh, just, this is not a plug, but like, ironically, he's got, uh, I think open enrollment right now, but, uh, he just lays it out, uh, in the way that like a sixth grader could understand. And I think that's truly how you learn, right? You you grab these basic concepts and then, and then his, uh, his outline course, I mean, he starts there, but he really gets into the details and really wants you to buy your first property. So, uh, he's one of the greatest guys I know and, and will have, truly has like the heart of a teacher. And so, um, I've just been super impressed with the quality of it. And I can't say that for all the real estate courses or even, even a small portion of the real estate courses. So if you're just getting started, that's a good one to check out or at least have an intro conversation with him. 
you know, not only is Chad and, oh, uh, let's see, Alex looks like he had something. Have we had Chad on this show yet? Uh, no, he's, he's in the works. I'm just, I've, you know, yeah, seems like no, a good segue. Yeah, yeah, no, Chad, Chad, Chad's awesome. In fact, I was going to say, not only is Chad an awesome person who I who I definitely enjoy uh, talking to and would recommend, uh, he he did something to me that is kind of like what happened to you with whatever company picked up your landlordology blog. Not that it was nearly seventeen thousand views a day, but uh, Chad was probably one of the first like legitimate backlinks I ever got of someone saying, "Hey, check out this website if you're military," and it was a noticeable traffic bump. And I, I just never forget that because I was like new to the blogging world. And it was like, I was like, where is this traffic coming from? And I go through Google and I'm like, Oh, Holy smokes. Hey, thanks dude. He's like, Oh yeah. You know, cool. So he's just yeah. a cool guy. I, I like Chad. Yeah. And he he's living it too. Like he he's buying real estate and he's living off of his investments and he and his family can travel the globe, you know, most of the year, uh, at least when his kids don't have to deal with school. Right. And, and his rental properties pay for all that. So, you know, that's eventually, I think where most real estate investors want to get to one of the only real estate educators I know who will tell you that his biggest mistake was buying too many houses and needing to slow down. So for sure. Uh, any, anyway, so good recommendation. I like that. And uh, yes, Alex, we'll have to talk to Chad as well about getting him on the show, but Lucas, uh, where can people get a hold of you other than like cozy or apartments or, you know, where they're gonna have to find fight through the corporate. Right. Veil right. Right. Now. You know, uh, I, I, I'm kind of old school. I'm still, mostly on Facebook. <laughs> so MySpace. <laughs> oh, geez. No way. Um, yeah, no, I've got a pager. You can just page me and that'll be cool. Uh, so no, just friend me on Facebook. <laughs> um, and then yeah, I've got, you know, you can find me on landlordology too, but you know, Facebook's a little more personal. Indeed. You have a great profile picture. Oh yeah. You took it. I've had that for almost a year because well, I just can't, I can't part with it. Yeah. Oh, hey, that's the one that was one of that's one of the ones you uh, threw out here as a potential for the uh, blog the podcast yeah. part. Yeah, yeah. I guess I that, I'm gonna have Alex to use that like one. It. I guess just for Alex, <laughs> it's a good photo. Yeah, you're yeah. Alex is a great photographer. You know why it's a good photo? Why? Because you had no idea it was happening, which is why Alex gets all these crazy shots, and you're like, oh, uh -huh. wow, I look normal when I don't know there's a camera in front of me. But the moment the yeah, camera, exactly. you know, the camera's there, whole different yeah. story. Yeah. You, you like want to know a little? I'm like a handsome uh, ninja. <laughs> handsome ninja. <laughs> uh, the little, the little secret. Perfectly. If you ever want to tell if somebody is fake smiling, look at their eyes. Look at the sides of their eyes. If there's a lot of wrinkles there or like crevices, and then it generally is a fake smile. If uh, mm. if it's generally relaxed around their eyes, then it's a it's a genuine smile. It's just how the face works and it's muscles. So one off that you might have liked who you were talking to. Nah, <laughs> just, I'm just getting old. <laughs> oh, man. Lucas, thank you so much for joining us today. I am glad sure. that we finally got to do this. This has been just awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's so fun to hang out with you guys. Yeah. Maybe next year we'll get to do it like in person. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Hope so. Fingers crossed. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarytomillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.